is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 97, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Between Two Fires. Between Two Fires. There you are two of them. You shall not pass. You shall not. We're Sorry. an independent podcast. You can help keep this thing completely independent, friends. Uh, we got a Patreon. You can find us there, patreon.com slash walking through the sh- show notes. No, I'm reading ahead. It is not walking through the show notes. Do not go Wait, to walking what? through the show notes. What? I was... I was I was my I was reading words and talking words and those two things intercepted each other in the middle of my brain and out came walking through the show notes. No. Wow. You want to go to Paul, <laughs> you want to go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate <clears throat> and uh, friends, your support keeps the show going. Uh, every dollar received is going to offset Zach's computing device. Thank you so much to those of you who have contributed uh, to that project. It's been remarkably wonderful. And thank you so much to new contributor, Sean. We noticed you popped in. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yep. And uh Friends, uh, don't worry. There's cool stuff in the Patreon, that's for sure. But uh, you'll always be able to find our content uh, and our podcast on podcast aggregators, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify Podcasts. Uh, Good stuff there. And uh, engage with the little doohickeys that each of those platforms represents because as you click buttons and make likes and smile uh that helps other people find the podcast um, um so you know dude just just go ahead and feed the beast uh you know it'll, it'll work out fine it'll work out fine. and one of the beasts that are fed is indeed the apple reviews uh we have said in the past and we say it again if you leave a review on apple podcasts we'll take the time to do a dramatic recreation and last week we hinted that we had one to do and guess we what do. zach yes we got a we've got one to do so Ooh, i'm excited with Without further ado, I got a whole lot of do's here. We got the review from. <laughs> Without further ado, we have I know, a I know. It's like turning into a Dr. Seuss moment. Angela Crangela. So, all right, here we go. You ready, Zach? I'm ready. Let's do this. This is the best Stargate first watch rewatch podcast run by two best friends where one knows the show super well and the other has not ever seen it. Near? Far. I know this seems super specific, but there are others. Well, at least one other. Hello, neighbor. This one is superb. Audio quality is really good. Content is entertaining. The hosts are charming and funny. And the tangents are rare and brief. Hello! (laughs) I also appreciate that it's family-friendly and clean. I'm a new listener. I'm at the end of season one, but I'm in for the long haul. So there you go, Zach. There it is. There's uh, there Angela Crangela's review uh, in the style of uh, as many family-friendly uh, uh, 
television programs as we could think of or movies. Well, uh, we we or, didn't not not all of them because uh, yeah, fair. You know, yeah, but you know, yeah. only a few. Okay. In so if uh, somebody let us, uh, if somebody said, uh, you know, that they totally got where we were going with this at the start and they wanted to let us know that they really appreciated just how sophisticated our creative efforts are. What, what might be the best way that they could let us know? So there are lots of ways that they could tell us how wonderful our recreation of Angela Scrangela's review is. Uh, one of those ways is to email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. That is W A L K I N G T H R O U G H D H S T R G A T E at gmail.com. Woo! Woo! Smoking. Smoking. You could also find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking and tell us there that this was fun for you, that you enjoyed this. Or you could go to Facebook, Walking Through the Stargate. We've got a Facebook page. Go ahead and hit that follow button, the join, whatever it is that it requires, and the Facebook group. And do the same thing. I think the, the Facebook group is where you have to join, and then the Facebook page is what you <laughs> follow. I don't know. I use Facebook, but I don't really understand Facebook, uh, so you are smarter than me so you just figured out you i got you got that <laughs> uh you can also go to our website which is wtts.space and right now you won't Space. find anything but hopefully no. by the time you hear this podcast or maybe shortly thereafter brent will have gotten everything set up so at yes. least you will see something that says we're under construction which Basically. we are and yes. now when we get to uh our 100th episode that's at least our goal we'll see if it actually happens but our it's goal is by by our 100th episode and we had that celebration of all of that stuff we will have a podcast that is uh actually uh, not a podcast i mean we'll have a podcast that is usual but we'll have a website that's usable <laughs> wow <laughs> oh, we're starting to get too many things there's so many things to keep track of yes Walking through the show notes. Why, you know, it'd be helpful if I just actually just read the words. <laughs> okay, that wouldn't help because we don't actually have all of the words on our show notes. But nope, these are just these are just general guidelines. Yep. And of course, we have the Patreon. You could always go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate to find some of our uh, special Patreon content there. Uh, we do currently have two, not one, but two episodes of The Other Side of the Gate with me mm -hmm. and David on there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are working on producing a third episode for that podcast. Nice. Uh, you, yeah. Um, we've got some, we're still young in that process, but we're getting there. Gotcha. And we have one Stargate Second Chances that walking through the Stargate podcast uh, that Brett and I did on um, on a matter of time that came yep. out just, was that last week, Brent? Uh, yes. Or was it two weeks ago? I think that's true. No, no, I nope. think it was last week. End of All last right. week. And uh, so in December sometime, we're in December sometime, uh, we'll get another one of these rewatch podcasts yep. out there on uh, Thor's Chariot. That's coming up. Thor's Chariot. And so you, if you want instant access to all of these fun little podcasts and things you can join us on patreon and do that um uh otherwise uh you'll have mm -hmm. to wait and eventually yep. we'll get those on the main oh, yeah. feed but uh for right now we promise um if you want instant access you know what to do mm -hmm. um, so indeed uh indeed also I mentioned just a minute ago that we've got big plans for episode 100, and we've talked about this before, uh, but we need your help. We need you yes. to record a one-minute uh, 
clip on something about Stargate, something about the 100th episode, something about the podcast, something about something, preferably Stargate related. (laughs) Something about something, so long as it's Stargate. (laughs) Uh, We got a few people that's done it. Yeah, we we have several people who have Uh have taken that challenge. Um, Excellent. Uh, Brent, I think, I think we need to give them time to stop right now and do it right now. Right? Oh, that's right. Okay. Ready? So pause. Pause. Welcome Thank you back. So much. Thank, yep. That yes. was really good. That was really, really good. Like for real. You think that it's kind of, eh? no, it was actually good. Good job. Yep. Well done. Yeah. Thank you very much. And you can email those to walking through the stargate at gmail.com. We'll get those mm-hmm. and we will get them inserted into the show at the appropriate time for that. So. Yes. Well, very good. Brent. Yeah. Shall we dig into this episode between two fires? Between two fires. Let's between, let's, let's two, get between fires. two fires. Okay. Well, the first fire is the director, and the second fire is the teleplay guy. Okay. Sure. I don't know. I'm making <laughs> stuff up. Anyway, the director is William Garrity. Uh, we have mm-hmm. heard his name before. He did yes, Broke have. a Divide and Enigma. Yep. Uh, Enigma is the episode in season one where we first meet the Tolans. Uh, yep, he did Thor's right. Chariot, which we will be mm-hmm. re-reviewing, re-watching mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. Uh, shortly-ish. Uh, he also did Family. Those were in season two. He did Rules mm-hmm. of Engagement and Past and Present in uh, season three. Mm-hmm. He did Point of No Return in season mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. And now we have Between Two Fires here in season five. He's got one more episode that he directed this season. And mm-hmm. if I did my calculating and counting correctly he's got three more in the rest of the series so okay now his uh one of the things that he does primarily is work with uh the filming and the 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 camera operating and and things like that so uh he's certainly directed several things including these episodes here uh but mostly you know his bread and butter is has to do with the, the the camera work Mm-hmm. Um, and if you watch this episode, notice that that you see a lot of that because the camera hardly ever stops moving in this episode. It's very gently moving and shifting uh, mm-hmm. on almost every scene. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked that up, picked up on that. But. I did. We'll talk about it. All right. Uh, the teleplay for this is by Ron Wilkerson. This is his second episode this season. Uh, and I think it's just his second episode uh, that he has written. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got mm-hmm. a total of four episodes this season. Uh, his first episode was Red Sky. So if you want to hear mm-hmm. more about Ron, go over to Red Sky and you can learn about that. Yep. We have uh, some guest actors that we need to talk about. We have Garwin Sanford, who plays Nareem. Welcome back, Garwin. Mm, um, hello, Garwin. We hello, have- Garwin. Sorry. Carry on. Th- sorry. Sorry. So we've been watching a lot of Animaniacs lately. So ah, carry well, on. Well, there you go. Uh we have Marie Stillen, who plays High Chancellor Travel, and we have High Chancellor Travel. Sorry, sorry. Gosh, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Carry on. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I swear, we haven't been drinking. <laughs> no, 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 no. Indeed, it's true. Uh, um, some water. I have some water right over. I, I do have water. So we have been drinking water. Okay. Anyway, Marie Stillen it returns as her role in her role of High Chancellor Travel. And, of course, we say hello once again to uh, Teal'c's favorite villain, or whatever, Peter Wingfield as Tanith. He returns Mm -hmm. in this episode. Uh, Last time we saw Tanith, he was uh, on uh, Apophis' mothership, 
and working for Apophis, and uh, he escaped that in a um, in a skate pod. Um, and I don't know if you caught that, Brent, but they did mention an escape pod leaving the 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 system before the the plant the yes. start. Uh, yes. And so now we know who was in that escape pod. Yes. So, right. I was kind of right. There was a there was a beat where I was hoping it was from before before the before times where I was hoping it was Apophis because I was finally starting to actually enjoy Apophis as a villain. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they slam him into a crater. <laughs> uh, timing. Oh, uh, yeah. Timing. Well, no, anyway, they, so we they got They slammed him into a planet. It was a full, it was, yeah. it was a uh, Sokar's planet. It, we get back to and Sokar's And then it turned planet. into a crater. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, in any case, um, yes. we do say hello again to Peter Wingfield. This episode originally aired on August 24, 2001. Number one on the charts in the U.S. was still fallen by Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently we have still fallen, but we have not yet gotten up. Nope. Um, but in the U.K., they have gotten up because they are dancing in Let's Dance by Five. Okay. I don't know that song. <laughs> Neither do I. But I'm sure but it's I a think dance we've song. Seen We've seen five before. I'm pretty sure we've seen five before. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, and it's a boy band, I think, if I remember right. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say there are five of them. What, what if there were only four? Um, and <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> it's the twist that you didn't see coming. <laughs> oh, wait, what? 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 Where's the fifth? We don't have one. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you're, you're you dear right. listener, you're the fifth. You are the fifth. It's like in football five. when you the audience is the twelfth man. Yeah, that's you know, right. There you go. Yep. Uh, so yeah, this is definitely going to be an up tempo, yep. like fun. Yep. And so number one in the box office is American Pie Two, and it's all about dancing and having fun and learning about becoming an adult, which boy bands aren't quite, but maybe they are. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, since we're in sequels, then we go to number two, which is also another sequel, which is Rush Hour Two, uh, uh-huh. because you got to rush through those dance moves because otherwise you can't. Now, inevitably, in every dance, there is somebody standing in the corner who is what we call a wallflower, and they're silent and they're quiet, and that's because Jay and Silent. Bob strike back. They decide to get out on that field, on that dance field, dance field, dance field. Is that what we're calling it now? Yeah, sure, sure. Oh. Walking through the show notes, oh. go to the dance field. Yeah, yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. In any case, this is when we say number four is the others, and this is where I wish to be because where I am right now is failing miserably. So I wish. Ah, I was, you're doing ah. fine. It's fine. Ah. But see, all of this is really just one giant rat race. Who? Who? Nice. That's number five. There you go. There you go. Well done. Well, I got through it. <laughs> I don't know. I laughed. Oh, good. I mean, good. I laugh at everything, but you know, hey. <laughs> you're an easy audience. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I cracked myself up. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, yeah. All right. So what happened on this date, August 24, 2001? Well, last week when it was the 17th or whatever, I said, like, nothing was going on. Well, that's because mm-hmm. everything was waiting for this week, apparently. So, on August 21st, <laughs> three days before this, we have NATO deciding to send a peacekeeping force to the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Also mm-hmm. on the 21st, the Red Cross announces that a famine is striking in Tajikistan and calls for 
international financial aid for Tajikistan and Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on the 21st, How You Remind Me, a single released by Nickelback, uh, which is the Billboard song of the year in 2002, uh, is released on this date, on August 21st. I bring that up because everybody hates on Nickelback, but despite oh, yeah. the fact that everybody hates on Nickelback, they apparently win a whole lot of popular awards. So I don't know what to do with that. I don't really have this any is dog how in that fight. You remind me of what I really. Sorry. <clears throat> Carrying on. On August 24th, this is the day this episode aired, Air Transit Flight 236 runs out of fuel over the Atlantic Ocean en route to Lisbon from Toronto. However, they make an emergency landing in the Azores, so they're safe. There you go. Woo! On August 25th, singer Alea and eight others are killed in an air crash in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear. Yep. And on August 27th, a few days later, Angela Jolene is named the UNHCR Goodwill Ambassador uh, uh, in Geneva. So, congratulations. Congratulations, Angelina. There you go. Now, there you go. We do have some trivia about this episode. Yes. Now, when Nareem is looking up the Tolan Curia meeting notes, uh, and I missed this when I was looking for it, but, but this is what my. You know, trivia on inter- online says is that mm-hmm. one of the meeting headlines re- reads: "Should earthworms be genetically engineered to live on Tolana?" <laughs> <laughs> Which I find absolutely hilarious. That sounds about like the level of importance of typical meeting. Oh yeah, business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This uh, is extremely important. Is yeah. It, is it really? Is it really? It is. You don't understand that the earthworms are part of the circle of life and the natural bios of this planet, and we need to use them to help us. No, this would not be a matter of order. This wouldn't be. Yeah, sorry. This is a matter of life and death. Anyway. Uh, Anyway. So, uh, the outdoor scenes of Tawana were once again shot on the main campus of Simon Fraser University, which is Uh in uh, Burnaby, which is a small city east of Vancouver. Uh, Mm -hmm. They used this, of course, in the third season episode, Pretense, um, Mm -hmm. and they're using it again for this. Uh, This particular campus has been used uh, for both Battlestar Galactica and Andromeda. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful campus. Uh, I would oh, actually yeah. love to go in and tour it and see what it looks like, but absolutely. Yeah. So, um, now the footage of the shown of the testing of one of the toll and phase shifting weapons, right? So when mm-hmm. they're looking through, I think they're on that c- curved, uh, computer screen in in Travel's office, right? Mm-hmm. And they see mm-hmm. the explosion and all of that stuff. Well, that's actually the footage that was used in the episode Chain Reaction when they were testing a Nakura enhanced nuclear warhead, right? Chain Reaction is the episode where we got that uh, patsy of a, a general coming in and taking over for uh, uh, Hammond. That's right. That's right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yep. like, let's create a bomb. And they're like, oh, crud. And yep. then they're stuck to the wormhole, but fortunately, you know, the, the wormhole shuts down and the day is saved. But. The yeah. day is saved. Yes, so, I, I remember that. Mm-hmm. That that little bit there is used. Re, that footage is reused in this one, um, mm-hmm. and it worked well. Uh, now, just before the SG one leaves Tolana during the attack, you can see the raised letter of Simon Fraser University 
on one of the buildings in the background. Ah, nuts. Yep. Um, but I actually looked for there that, that, but is. I missed it. I'm sure it's still there. I didn't. I didn't even notice. I was too busy nope. watching, uh, watching um, 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 Nareem just sort of like stand there all majestically while things were blown up behind him. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, well, one of the things when Nareem uses the iron cannon to blow up the the uh, facility with all of the weapons in it, mm-hmm. right? You look at that shot. The building blows up, but all of the little people that are right there have no reaction to a building that's less than twenty feet away from them blowing up. Well, you know. The the it's it's against the Talanan code of 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 uh, behavior to react negatively to such a, an explosion. It causes uh, it causes too much chaos and fear in the society. Uh, yeah, so it would, it's just not that. possible. No, it's it's impossible. It's impossible. All right. <laughs> um, and now I do have a quote here from Joe Malazzi, and I, yes. I I'm going with Malazzi. Yes. All right, man. This one had all sorts of problems at the outline stage. So much so that it earned the nickname Between Two Acts. <laughs> Once the structural problems had been addressed, Ron wrote and delivered a first draft of the script. I remember we were sitting in Rob's office uh, giving copious notes when John Lennox's dog hopped up onto the couch and relieved himself on a copy of Ron's script. Wow. That dog pissed wow. on my script, said Ron, to which Brad replied something of the lines of, he wasn't the only one. Anyway, in the end, the script came together, as did the episode, which we wound up shooting on the grounds of Simon Fraser University. Nice. So, according to Joe, uh, this is definitely an episode that uh, um, had some challenges to get up and running uh, Mm -hmm. in its place. Um, So, now, this episode, in French, they called this episode Mm -hmm. Trap, which... oh. Yeah, kind of yeah. follows the, the Germans on the nose bit there. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Italians say between two fires, and as well as the Spanish, the Czech, and yeah. the Hungarians, yeah. they all say yeah. between two fires. And the Germans say, Der Kampf der Tolaner, the battle of the Tolans. Yeah, that's not super on them. They're getting better. They're getting yeah, a yeah, little but, less obvious. But not, uh, you know, yeah, okay. Metaphor apparently is not their strength. Fair enough. <laughs> we just we we've undoubtedly got some uh, some people that listen from Germany right now that are like, oh, I take issue with that. I take issue with it as if, um, in the as if I was about to, I was trying to to make a metaphor as opposed to a simile, but I was about to use the word like. So you know. So I do know that we have at least there a few people, um, who listen who are in or around the German region of the world, um. Yes. And who perhaps speak German. Uh, this is actually a legitimate question I have. Um, when I see these names, titles in German that seem very much on the nose for things like this, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have to believe that there is some sort of, um, you know, cultural thing happening within it, within German w- worldview and whatnot that, that does this. Um Walk me through that. Help me understand. Help me learn what's going on here um, within German translations of American TV shows and the like uh, that that uh, set that up. If you have any information about that, please email me or you know yeah. Facebook me or something. Uh, yeah. I, I'd be interested in knowing. I really would. So I could definitely see there be. I have no idea if this is true or not. So take this with a gigantic grain of salt. I can absolutely see there being something to the tune of like, like, yeah, metaphor. Metaphor is a thing, but 
why have a metaphor when you can say what you mean? <laughs> like, I'm not exactly sure why you insist on using words that don't mean what you want to say. Right. Why don't you just say what you want to say? <laughs> it could be. I mean, also, between two fires is an idiom, idiomatic phrase in English. And I suppose it's possible that uh, Germans just don't have that idiomatic phrase. I So, like... I was wondering about that. I have never heard the phrase between two fires. I mean, I got it. I figured it out. And yeah. that riff I was making on between two ferns last time. Now I'm now I'm all of a sudden like, oh, I bet you that's a riff on the idiom. Uh, probably is. Probably is. Because that's what comedy is. It's very smart. Unless you, then you get me. It's all like, you know, hey, guess what? I just discovered something. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. Anyway. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Uh, well, with that, shall we uh, dig into the synopsis for this episode? Yes. Let's get into it. All right. Omak has died of a heart attack. Oh, Who is nuts. Omak, you say? He was the leader of the Tolans when SG-1 rescued them from their dying volcano planet. Uh, he was kind of a hard nose and never did anything to suggest he respected SG-1 at all, but apparently he did. And so Jack, Sam, Daniel, and Teal were all invited to his funeral. Huzzah! It was a Huzzah. small occasion. Or sort of. High Chancellor Travell, the leader of the Curia, which was like <laughs> the highest level of government here, is apparently right there to officiate this service. Nareem is there, SG-1's there, a few other extras, and of course some guards, <laughs> because why not? Yeah, well, you gotta keep him safe. Yeah, absolutely. After the ceremony, Travell suggests that the Tolan policy of not sharing their advanced technology with primitive races may be changing. And she asks SG-1 to return in a day to discuss new possibilities. Nareem escorts our heroes back to the gate along with a couple of guards because we're on Tolan. Why not? Of course. That's, you gotta keep him safe. Yeah. He is shocked by Travell's words and he can't believe the Curia would change their policies so easily. Now, as he says goodbye, he secrets a small device into Sam's palm. And with a slight shake of his head, he warns her to not let on to the guards that a clandestine exchange has taken place. <laughs> Back in the SGC, Stam <laughs> stops the group and informs them of Nareem's device. It is a holographic message. Nareem is uncertain who he can trust. And Omak gave him a warning before he died. Earth is in grave danger. The next day, Jack and Daniel meet with Travell. She tells them that the Curia is now in a position to offer some of their technology to Earth. Tolan civilization has expanded quicker than anyone anticipated, and the planet's reserves of trinium is becoming depleted, and they need more. And with, with Earth's new off-world trinium mine, the opportunity for trade is back on the table. Now, the issue of Sharing technology with Earth has been a hotly contested one, and while many of the Curia have wanted to reevaluate their isolationist tendencies, the traditionalists held the vote, with Omak being the swing vote. Now, now that he has died, however, those who want to change their policies control the Curia. Jack asks why they can't just get their own trinium. Why do they need ours? Now, unexpectedly, Travell turns off the security recorders so that they can speak off the record. Basically, the request for Trinium is a face-saving exercise to appease the traditionalists who still hold a lot of power. 
Now, after Travell turns the recorders back on, she proposes a trade. In exchange for Trinium, the Tolans will give Earth an ion cannon. One of those big honking space guns that shoot gold motherships out of the sky. Bang, bang, bang. Outside, they inform Sam and Teal'c and Nareem of this proposal. Nareem is shocked. This goes against everything the Tolan have ever stood for. And many codices. Indeed. Back at the SGC, Carter informs them that not only can she not reverse engineer the cannon's technology because it's too advanced, one cannon is simply not enough to defend Earth. To effectively blanket the entire planet with protection, they would need a minimum of 38 cannons, not including any backups. After picking their jaws up off the floor, Jack and Daniel prepare a counterproposal for the Tolans. Give us more than one cannon? Just a thought. The next day, SG-1 returns to Tolana with a sample of Trinium, and they are met by Nareem, who claims to the guards that he was sent to escort them. But this is a lie, and he did this so that he can talk to them alone. As one of Omak's only friends, Nareem was given custody of Omak's personal effects. And while going through them, he found Omak's health monitor scanner, a device that also keeps a health record of the user. Now, this infallible device reveals that Omak was, in fact, in perfect health. Not only that, but the response team dispatched to assist Omak after he had this supposed heart attack, in big quotes... (laughs) <laughs> should never take more than five minutes to get to them. But in Omak's case, they took ten minutes. <gasps> this is simply not possible. It's not possible. It can't happen. Nareen believes that Omak may have been murdered. Oh, no. <gasps> oh, no. Daniel and Jack take the trinium to Travel and somewhat reluctantly inform her that they would require 30 there are 38 cannons, just instead of one. <laughs> Travell says that she will discuss it with Acuria. Now, while they are outside waiting, Daniel and Jack discuss the implications of Omak being murdered just so Earth could be offered cannons. While Daniel is apprehensive of how far they may have to take this deal to get to the truth, and Jack is mystified why murder was committed at all in this situation, Jack assures Daniel that since they know something is going on, they'll proceed very cautiously. Nareem takes Sam and Teal'c to his house to continue to look for evidence of what this plot is all about. And they are greeted by his home's AI system in a voice that sounds suspiciously like Major Carter's. Nareem, at least, appears embarrassed when Sam comments on the voice. They begin looking through the records of the Curia meetings to find any evidence of potential disagreements between Omak and the Curia. Later, when Daniel and Jack arrive and tell them that they are getting all 38 cannons over time, Nareem simply cannot hide his disbelief. That's impossible. It goes against everything they stand for. It does. Tilk then finds an official protest in the records from Omak after an unscheduled test of the ion cannons two months previous. But no further explanation is found in the records about the test or about the protest. 
Nareem is shocked to realize that there are almost two hours of notations missing from the meeting's records. This, this just isn't done. It's, it's impossible for the government to abuse their power like this. It's, it's more heinous than murder. What is going on? Something is amiss. Something is happening on Tolana. Back at the SGC, they inform General Hammond of all of this, and Carter recommends tagging the trinium with a radioactive isotope, which would allow them to track where it goes on Tolana, and Hammond approves. They return to, to, to Tolana and inform Nareem about their plan, and they ask him to help them break into Travell's office to uncover the truth. She has to be involved in this plot, whatever it is. Nareem is reluctant, but is eventually convinced to help. Using Omak's security code, Sam, Daniel, and Nareem will sneak into Travell's office while Jack and Tilk follow the Trinium. Now, they also borrow one of uh, Nareem's phase devices, as well as a Tolan weapon. In the dark of night, Tilk and Jack track the Trinium to a warehouse where they find a large number of devices being stored there. What are they, they wonder. Nareem and Daniel and Sam successfully get into Travell's office and look through her computer. They discover that a Gua'uld mothership entered orbit about two months ago above Tolana, and the ion cannons fired, but they were ineffective. Oh no! However shocking as that is, there is even more shocking news, and that the fact is that the mothership apparently left peacefully. They also find records of a new weapon of mass destruction. This weapon uses the Tolon phase technology to bypass solid matter during its deployment, and Trinium, uh, being a primary component of that phasing tech, is uh, highly in need for these weapons of mass destruction. Nareem wants to believe that this is the Tolan response to the failure of the ion cannons, a way of protecting the planet once again, but this doesn't track for Samantha. Suddenly, Travell, along with several guards, barge in. What are you doing, Nareem? Nareem demands to know what is going on, and is answered when a Gua'uld, the Gua'uld Tanith to be precise, Teal'c's arch-nemesis, arrives. He has come to collect the weapons the Tolan Curia agreed to provide the Gua'uld in exchange for not blowing them up all to kingdom come. Tanith admits that he's not working alone. He has a master. You know, because frankly, let's be honest, Tanith, while villainous as he is, is not that smart. What's his name, you ask? That is to say, not, not Tanith's name, but the name of the master, just to clarify. He doesn't have one, says uh, Travell. Oh, he has a name. The likes of you are simply not allowed to know it. <laughs> <laughs> After exploring the facility with all those WMDs, Tilk and Jack return to Nareem's house only to be greeted by Tolan guards. Fortunately, the Tolan guards are inept, and our heroes are able to knock them out and escape fairly easily. Back in Travell's office, Nareem shares a glance with Sam. Confusion ensues, and in it, Nareem is able to escape by activating his phase-shifting device and diving through the wall. Woohoo! On the outside, he meets up with Tilk and Jack. Everything is revealed. Tilk instinctively wants to rip Tan the set off. Easy, big fella. They cannot allow the ghoul to get a hold of these weapons, however. They must be destroyed. Nareem is torn between dooming his entire planet and doing the morally right thing, but he knows that he needs to do what is right. 
Meanwhile, Tanith informs Travel that he needs a demonstration of the weapons to ensure that they work as advertised. Travel is ordered by Tanith to send one of the phase-shifting bombs through the Stargate to Earth. Travel knew what the weapons were for, but she never expected that she'd have to be the one to pull the trigger. This revelation sickens her. Sam notes that Earth is a protected planet, and if the Gua'uld attacked, they'd have to deal with the Asgard. But if the Gua'uld can force the Tolan to send the bomb, the Gua'uld are off the hook. Sighing, Travel says she didn't have a choice, and Sam retorts that, that she actually did have a choice. She just chose poorly. Tilk and Jack are back in the facility with the WMDs, but they are caught quite easily and taken to Travel's office and the rest of the team. Hi, guys. That said, while the security guards were chasing SG-1, Nareem was free to move about the country. He snuck into the control room of an ion cannon and aimed it squarely at the facility holding and manufacturing all those WMDs. And with a couple of quick shots, the whole building explodes, taking out the weapons and signaling to the gold the tone, do not plan to uphold their end of the bargain. Uh-oh. With the chaos ensuing, SG-1 is frankly forgotten. Nareem rescues them and leads them to the gate. Nareem decides to stay behind and help his people fight a war they may very well lose. Back at the SGC, Hammond debriefs the team. He wonders who this new new Gua'uld is that is controlling Tanith, but they simply don't know. At least, for now, he appears to be scared of the Asgard. So, there's that. At this point in time, Sergeant Harriman, a.k.a. Radar, informs them that they are receiving a message from Tolana. It is Nareem. The battle does not go well. And there is something he wants to tell them, but the transmission is cut off before he can finish. The end. The end. So, Brent. Mm Mm-hmm. Between two fires. Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, where to start? Where to start? Where to start? Um, so... I've got a feeling that uh, I am in the camp of people who like this episode, and maybe for reasons that it, I shouldn't like it. Um, uh, the story, boy, the story is a little, the story is a little convoluted. Um, and but there are some real juicy tidbits in this story. Some real juicy tidbits. Uh, but the way that it was constructed and the way that it kind of came across, I can, I can, I can appreciate what, um, Joe Malazzi was saying about how it it took some effort to get the story captured. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, the, uh, I think that it's, I I think that it is, this, this tension is exhibited in that constant, constant referral to like codes of conduct and laws you know what i mean like that like nareem was basically every scene when nareem was involved (laughs) involved he had a line that basically said but that's against the law (laughs) and it's like yeah yeah uh uh-huh um (laughs) this this can't happen that's against the law i I get it come on keep thinking um and of course you know our heroes kind of coach him along um but so I really enjoyed watching this episode. And I think part of why I really enjoyed watching this episode had to do with a with a couple of things that didn't have a lot to do with the story. One, this thing was really well shot. Um, mm-hmm. All those close-ups. 
that uh, were holding tight to uh, the main, you know, the main actor's uh, face while they were kind of talking about something that really did set up this sense of claustrophobia that uh, both Nareem eventually started to feel and that uh, shoot. What's her name? Um, Travel. Travel was also feeling um, that this wasn't really an open and shut situation. The uh, acting was really good especially amongst our main our main cast um those scenes between jack and um daniel Mm -hmm. those were some really good scenes i was audibly laughing out loud and i don't audibly laugh even if it's super funny it's just not my thing um but i was enjoying (laughs) the heck out of watching those two play off of each other within with it with within their scenes it was really good um uh you know noreen you know the actor gosh i can't remember his name i can scroll up the guy who's playing green Gar- Garwin Sanford was capturing Nareem really well. Like it, we've seen him now, I think at least twice before. And, um, that character has definitely developed, uh, in this arc. Uh, you know, again, he seemed a little flat with the whole, like, but, but this is against blah, you know? Yes, it is against blah. Um, but, uh, oh, that, yeah, there, there was a spot in the middle where, uh, all of the like deus ex machina things that happened in the previous episodes were basically called to the fore as um, uh, solutions to the particular problem. So the phase shifting um, bracer, uh, the Tolan weaponry that, you know, the weapons don't work, uh, but Tolan weapons do. Um, I, can't, I thought there was a third one, but the point is, is that like, you know, um, Nareem was was basically saying, well, we can't do that because of this. And they were like, well, actually, your weapons can. We can't do right. that because of that. Well, yep. your technology can. Um, and so that 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 felt kind of nice to have all those callbacks of the super easy way to rectify the situation in previous episodes coming right back to be a, quote, super easy way, unquote, to rectify the problem now, but in favor of our heroes. So that was nice. I like that. Um the story, the 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 big picture story, the big picture story. Um, I'm super duper interested to know who this new bad guy is, like this unnamed or so. Yeah, this this currently unnamed bad guy that oh, yeah. Tanith is working for, and Tanith is like you know, like he's he yeah he's he's looking he's looking he's looking mean and i don't know just even the costuming was just like yeah like he's he's looking he's looking bad uh, it, bad in a good way um and uh i don't know there was just this level of excitement that i was feeling about like learning about who this who this new player is and you know this this ominousness this this development of technology that even the tolan are not, unable to get through um, such that they feel like they have to make a devil's deal to to blow up the earth in exchange to continue to exist. Yeah. Um, and, you know, th- then we kind of slide back into some of the spots of the story, which were a little bit peculiar. Um, you know, the, the Tolan making this decision under duress uh, does absolve them a bit. But on the other hand, you know, it does kind of ask the question on the face of it. Uh, is it morally right to save your society uh, and sacrifice another or to sacrifice yourself to save a, a different society? And this particular iteration of that question was made easier because it wasn't really a one for one. It was a one for 
thousands, right? Like the development of this technology would theoretically allow this branch of the Google world to dominate thousands of systems, right? Millions of systems, maybe in exchange for one. Um, so, you know, those lines about how it's not necessarily so easy when you're in the seat to make this decision, um, I thought was, was justifiable. Um, we felt like there was a clear answer. Our heroes felt like there was a clear answer. There's the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is that if you've got to take it in the chin, you do. And the Tolans do, and they paid for it. Um, but I can appreciate the subtlety of that question, um, even though this episode was not really driving too hard at the subtlety of the question. Uh, and acting the way it was shot, um, the pacing was all right. I thought the pacing was all right. Um, there was a couple of spots where it got a little bit hiccupy, um, but not so bad. I thought they did a good job kind of rectifying that. I think its biggest flaw was that the story itself was a little bit tough to get through. And I was able to stay with the story the whole way through. I don't know if that was just because I was feeling good when I was watching it or what, but it didn't feel like I lost. I didn't feel lost. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point where it was a little confusing as to why they needed trinium from earth, right? The subterf the, the subterfuge region of why do you need it from earth was a little bit unclear. Why not just get it somewhere else? Um, you know, on the face of it, it was because, yeah, we just wanted to make it look good for the, uh, for the holdout votes. But the real reason was it was a major component for the for the weaponry. Why don't you just get it from wherever you were getting it before? Like, you know, why even involve Earth? Why even have the conversation in the first place? Um, that part was still a little murky to me. But um, I don't know. On the whole, I liked it. Uh, I don't know if I should have liked it, but I did. So, <laughs> so there's that. Um, you are yeah, welcome to it, like it, whether you quote unquote yeah. should or not. Well, what do you think? How, so, do, how, do, you, how do you like this one? So, I think that the acting is wonderful in this episode. Um, I, and, and I really especially like the interplay, uh, not just the acting, but also the writing between uh, Jack and Daniel. Uh, yeah, so often sure. we see those characters at odds uh, yes. philosophically and potentially morally, depending on the situation, uh, showing two sides of, uh, of uh, two different perspectives on, on various things. And usually... Uh, when those are highlighted, um, they're at odds with each other, and yet here they come at it. This this whole problem with their with each of their own unique uh, perspectives, and while they they are coming at it from different angles, so they are meeting uh, in the same spot and they're talking about it, and and they are working together with and through it. Um, you know the. The writing and and the, the 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 interplay between them as they're sitting up against that pillar and the camera mm-hmm. is yeah. moving yep. around them. Hey, the camera work was absolutely amazing. Yes, I, I loved yes, it. it. Was. Um, you know, the camera move shifting gears just a bit. The camera moving over the the lake or, or the the pond as it comes in to uh, look at Sam and Teal'c and they meet mm-hmm. Nareem. There was just well done, well shot. Um, but that scene with with Jack in and Daniel um, just really highlights that these two characters like each other. They're mm-hmm. genuinely friends. Now, when we first met them way back in the movie, you know, they didn't really have any time for the other one at all. Mm-hmm. And they went through some ups and downs during the series. Um, 
But we've gotten to this point in time in the series, and you see these two guys, uh, they respect each other, uh, they they honor each other, they're good friends, they recognize, they see things from different perspectives, and mm-hmm. in this situation, you really can see them... Um, uh, you know, valuing the perspective of the other. Uh, and they do all the time, usually, although sometimes they, you know, you know, bang, bang in the head a little bit as they buck heads. Um, but in this situation, you know, I really liked that. I thought that worked wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Um, I found Nareem uh, with Sam's voice on the computer creepy. Yes, um, I, find, I agree. Now, I, I also find that to be pretty standard for, you know, I don't feel surprised that Nareem would do that. I think that's exactly the type of thing he would do because um, we know he's got the major hots for her. Um, right. The fact that the rest of the episode, he keeps him, um, you know, pretty tame on that front, you know, and focuses on the, the issues at hand and not that, uh, I appreciate. Uh, mm-hmm. So you still, you still get the... The I care for you a whole lot. I really, really like you. Would love to have a stronger relationship with you than I do. Um, it's all part of there. That's in the subtext there, but it's not, um, you know, it's not just spilling out everywhere on it. Correct. Uh, right. So, you know, while the voice, her voice as his AI in the house is really super creepy, um, I'm not surprised, but, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm the- trying to decide if it, I'm not, I don't know what it adds. Um, I mean, it, it confirms his like of the character, but in a creepy way, which is yeah, good. It, 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 it normalizes uh, a hyper infatuation. And the best you can possibly spin it is, I think, akin to what was described in a previous episode when Nareem was really, I think if I recall right, he was super forward with her. And she was like, whoa. And he was like, oh, wait. Is this uh, is this not how you normally do things in your culture? Oh, okay, I'll back off. And so we value, you know, we 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 see his interaction on that question. I think with a bit more positive light because when informed of the discomfort that this brought to the object of his affection, he eased off the pedal. And here we're back in his house, and he's clearly still like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, he has Major Carter as a servant in his house. Like it's it's not the best, and so um, yeah, I'm right there with you with the creepy thing. I also was like, ah, okay, and um, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. What does it add to our story here? And the short answer is, I'm not sure if it adds anything, frankly. Right. Um, you know, the political intrigue in this episode is very well done. Um, mm-hmm. I like the conversations that Hammond and O'Neill have throughout it. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, yes. So there, what we have here is some sort of political conspiracy in Tolana to give us everything we've always wanted. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Um, and then there was another comment that Hammond made about to Jack about uh, this could be super duper important. Don't screw it up. Uh, the the wonky feelings you're feeling could just be standard political wrangling. Um, and that's just the way politics operates. Or you could be standing in a really big pile of bad. So, um, figure it out and don't screw it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always find our conversations to be full of joy. I can't remember what the line was. It was good. It was good. Um, uh, you know, so all these little bits, the thing that I love most about this episode Mm-hmm. is um, 
how it continues uh, the narrative arc of the show. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we get a we introduce Tanith again. Okay, mm-hmm. so Tanith survived uh, the last that last thing, and and Teal'c hates him. Okay, so that's introduced, and then with him, as you mentioned, there's a new bad guy on in town, mm-hmm. and this bad guy has shields that protect him from something that no other Gulwuld has been able to do. Well, mm-hmm. okay, who is this guy? What's his deal? Um, where'd he come from? You know, how'd he get all of this fancy technology himself that the apparently the other Google don't have? Um, so all of these questions um, are really, really intriguing. And this episode uh, really digs into it. Also, mm-hmm. um, you know, despite the fact that the Tolan were a race that, that had a lot of fancy technology and wasn't willing to share it, uh, as a general rule, they were allies of Earth to some degree, um, and would you know are will, were willing to be in conversation and to assist in some things, you know, to determine what that was precisely is unknown. And now mm-hmm. we have them effectively taken off the board by this unknown big bad guy. Um, yep. You know, we don't we don't know. Uh, you don't know whether or not. We'll see the Tolan again. Um, Correct. I am left to presume that I will not. Um, you know, so, but right now, all we know is that um, their society looks, there's a good chance that their society has been completely wiped away right yes. now. Um, yes. We'll find out perhaps later um, if that happens, you know, wh- whatever's going on there. Um, but for right now, you know, uh, Earth cannot look to the Tolan for support for anything at this point in time. Correct. Yep. Um, so the fact that it ratchet now we just get introduced a new bad guy and one of our allies who could have been a support has been taken off the board that just ratchets up the tension uh, for the series for the characters for the SGC for all of it. Um, yep. I appreciate that. I like that. Um, uh, one of the things that was mentioned in the commentary by uh, Bill Garrity is that uh, this is an episode that is exposition heavy. There's a lot of talking mm. in this episode, yeah. which yeah. is one of the reasons why he makes sure that the camera is almost always moving and it's shifting yes. from close to further, you know, wider shots and and moving. You know, the the camera work is very very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons he's doing that is because he recognizes that that uh, the the exposition heaviness of this episode can get boring if all you have is just static shots of heads. Also, I mean, you bring up a really good point. So I was I was I was complimenting how it was how it was filmed, and uh, I was specifically noticing the use of the close up. Um, but there were a great number of long shots in this one yes uh and not far away shots i mean um continuous takes yep yeah um, that, that, that's i knew i knew what you meant yep and um maybe that's why i was feeling so positively about it right because those are moments that give the actors time to play off of each other mm-hmm. and so you assume and i think it's a reasonable assumption that when you have uh, medium or medium close shots of two people talking to each other and you have that standard like over the shoulder view uh, right. you know so you're cutting back and forth between the over, over the shoulder view 
I think it's reasonable to assume that the actors in that moment are probably playing the scene pretty close to the same way each time. Um, and so that the, the interplay that you see between the actors in those moments is probably pretty closely caught, but you don't quite see it exactly as if you are just letting the camera roll and you have it framed up in such a way to let the actors act and you're able to capture the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, I think that's probably what we were seeing. We were seeing a decent amount of that, uh, of that acting play off each other. And I think, I think you would see it in two different ways. There was a briefing room scene where Jackson says something, O'Neill responds, and then Jackson kind of rolls his eyes. And the rolling of the eyes was not rolling his eyes at what O'Neill had said, but rolling his eyes about like the, the impact of what O'Neill said. I can't remember what the line was. Mm. Um, Jackson was rolling his eyes at the situation, but it was, it was shown to us in cuts. There was the, there was the, there was the angle that had O'Neill and there was the angle that had Jackson. And so it cut away from O'Neill to give us the eye roll of Jackson and then back to O'Neill as he was saying something else, or maybe, maybe you went to Hammond. But the point is, is that that was all done in cuts versus the uh, conversation that O'Neill and Jackson were having with, what's her name? I still can't remember. Travell. 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 Um, where they're asking for more gun, for more cannons. And, you know, you're watching them negotiate the phrase, you know, the, how, how the message is being communicated to Travell. Yep. And they're playing off of each other, reacting to each other, looking at Travell. And so you're watching the whole thing, the whole dynamic happen right there. Boom. In one moment. And that wasn't a particularly long shot per se. I'm thinking also of the long shot you've mentioned it, the one where they're walking next to the pond mm-hmm. um, and, you know, the camera's tracking with them. There's the one where the camera's panning around camp panning tracking sort of um, uh, around that column with O'Neill and Jackson. Yep. Uh, that was a really good one. Um, there were a couple yeah. of Nareem's house as well um, of long shots that, uh, that just kind of followed the characters moving around that space. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's um, a really intelligent way to make something boring more interesting. Yeah. Right. Like absolutely. You kn- when you, when you point, when you, when you pinpoint it, I'm able to see the craftsmanship of somebody who knows how to make a camera move in a way that makes conversation more interesting. And we were able to see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, so, um, one of my issues with this episode is that it, it's a little jerky at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not especially fast paced. Um, and, and if I'm okay, so I'll put it, it, it is, it's kind of slow. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is mitigated, um, uh, by how it is shot and it is mitigated by, uh, really positive beats of, of both seriousness and humor, uh, at different times and in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's not a fast-paced episode, and specifically, it moves. I feel a little bit slowly, um, and that for me makes it um, less exciting on rewatches. I uh, yeah. I, I think I think yeah. that's where it is. It's like I, the more I watch this episode. I'm like, oh yeah, this is the episode where all of this other backstory stuff is happening. You know, the yes. setting up future stuff, and that's good. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can move on. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, while there are lots of episodes where multiple rewatchings 
um, makes me more excited about an episode. This mm-hmm. one um, just kind of keeps it at that spot. I can see that. Um, I I was invested in the story. Um, the the twists were happening at just enough of a time frame that I kept being interested of like, oh, okay. And then here's the next thing. Oh, okay. Here's the next thing. And the weird parts of the story were not super duper weird. And it was very well shot and it was extremely well acted. And yeah, you're right. It was interspersed with these moments of levity that, that helped sort of keep the thing kind of moving along. And then it ended with a big bang, man. (laughs) Boy, did it ever. There was a lot of explosions there at the end and, and some tension at the end. Right. So it felt like it paid off in a way. However, there was a lot of excitement that I was feeling with story reveal that I think I could absolutely see not being nearly as excited on a rewatch. Like it, once I know what all the answers to my questions are going to be, I can appreciate how watching this episode again would be uh, kind of a bit of a slog. Sure. Now I think that I have said my piece for this episode. Yeah, me too. Me okay. Too. In that case, I say Brent. Yeah. Between two fires gets a certain yeah. number of chevrons, and I yes, need to know from you how many chevrons it gets. So I'll let the cat out of the bag. Um, I am debating between um, some high numbers here. I okay. am between debating between six, seven, or eight. Now, why on earth would I include eight on this one? It's because of that new bad guy thing that's powerful enough to make the Tolan uh well to defeat the Tolan frankly right um that seems like a moment of whoa wait a minute that feels important um seven do I think that this was the height of television but is this a seven in the same way that I like Bane so much because it just kind of hit me at the right spot maybe um but as we kind of talked about it, I don't think that the story is able to really stand up quite so solidly on its own two legs without a lot of help from camera movement and acting, <laughs> which <laughs> matters. That counts. Which is a um, big but, part. You know, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to land on a six. I'm going to give this one six out of seven chevrons. Um, I appreciate how in a certain framework and with certain knowledge, I might pull for that eight that this is a season def- or this is a series defining thing that just happened because it kind of feels like it might have been, but I don't know that for a fact. So I will. I don't know I that will, for a fact. Uh, before you settle on that six, okay? Yeah. I will yeah. say this is a series defining event. <sighs> but am I willing to give something eight, man? I want an eight to be something of just like just pure joy that I walk away from being fundamentally changed forever. Um. You know what? No, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold out. I'm going to hold out. I'm going to okay. go with six. I'm going to okay. go with six. Okay. Um, I hear you. I appreciate it. Can't bring myself to do it. And sevens for me are just emotionally just rocket ships. Just like, yes. And we didn't hit a yes. Uh, in fact, we hit a pretty big, oh, no. Um, <laughs> and the story just wasn't solid enough to make it really ring so i'm gonna go with a six out of seven okay oh my turn yeah what about you all right so this is a good episode i'm not in love with this episode Mm -hmm. um it's an important episode it's not an episode that you can skip 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's well shot. It's well acted. I'm going to give this episode a five. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a five. It and and I think for me it comes down to the this is an important episode, um, and you can't skip it, and so that gives it the the bump up um, for me. So I'll give it a five. Yep, that All makes right. sense. So um, let me. Uh, yeah. Just a second here, we've got yeah. things <laughs> to look at and sh- uh, people to <laughs> to share comments and thoughts with. We are going I... to change things up a little bit and start with uh, an email from David. Hey, nice. The one okay. Who sent an email this time. All right. He says, hey, David. "Yes, we will now." Trade for a Chevron bias buffer. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. We have decided to revisit our Chevron bias buffer. Brent, if you did not yeah. have a good breakfast and give this a low score, your listeners are going to revolt. Are you with <laughs> me, JD? <laughs> I love how my breakfast is... <laughs> Is a contributing factor. <laughs> All right. Well, good news, David. Yeah. He says, anyway, great episode. Callbacks mm-hmm. to old episodes, plot lines being wrapped up, new storyline starting, Tanith returning again. And is that a hint about a new major bad guy looming in the shadows? Mm-hmm. Not a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> There's also so much good discussion material here, but you've already discussed it. So... Brent, six chevrons because it's really good episode that he yes. did not expect it to end with the Tolans being apparently wiped out. You hear I, me, Brent? That's f- At yes. least six chevrons. Look, I, I gave it six. Okay. Okay, past David. Now, Goodness. Zach, mm-hmm. seven chevrons because oh! it's just that good. <laughs> apparently, Zach didn't have a good breakfast. I, this I apparently did not have a good, that, that clip <laughs> was not a good breakfast, apparently. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah. So, um, and now we come here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we start with Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly thinks Zach is going to give this a four, Ooh, and yep. Brent is going to give it a three. Okay. Says, Any explanation? Yeah, it's okay. a lot packed into one episode, but because of that, there wasn't enough time for me to get invested in the Tolan. Yeah, Maybe yeah, if they had strung yeah. more hints of connection with them, this episode would hit harder for me. I mm-hmm. predict Brent had toast for breakfast, but had to eat an <laughs> end piece so it affected <laughs> Chevron down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is delightful. This is delightful. Uh, Indeed, I did have a very good breakfast this morning. Um, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely can see uh how if if a person isn't really con- feeling that connection with the Tolan like you know they got they got blowed up like at this point they basically just represent a um you know a loot box sort of for earth uh this this thing that they haven't yet been able to unlock that could totally change it but other than that it's this has been icy cold um so yeah like that connection thing i can see right if you're not feeling it you're not feeling it like i can i can see that all the way so um, there's 
a conversation between Kimberly and David here uh, mm, through this, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things she she thought, she feels that the Tolans never quite were true allies, even right. if they dripped, dropped a line now and again about the Gould intel and blah blah blah. Still, they still didn't share anything, uh, and so because of that, she wasn't very invested in them and didn't feel mm-hmm. like a whole lot was going in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, Anna says, "Hi, Anna. I think this is a good episode." We see the Tolan again. We also have Tanith back, who's working with someone unknown. And we have mm-hmm. Jack holding Teal'c's hand. Yes. Although the although the toxic masculinity in that scene was a little much. But yeah. yes, uh, I, I was carrying like, on. Like that, that scene there uh, did not age well for me. Nope. Um, <laughs> nor, um, I mean, I was about to say nor me, but you know. You know, um, yeah, so... There it is. She's going to go with a five from both of us. Yep. Yep. Pretty close. Okay. Pretty close. Okay. There we go. Uh, Tim. Hi, Tim. Tim says, it's an okay episode, but the main point is to set up a mysterious big bad and get rid of the Tolan, who were mostly Mm. boring anyway. They aren't any (laughs) really interesting. There aren't any really interesting themes for them to chew on, but the intrigue is at least mildly interesting. Mm -hmm. I would give it a solid four. I'll guess mm-hmm. a four from Brent and a four and a half from Zach gets a little boost due to the building the, of the lore. Yep. Sensible. Tim, you're absolutely right. Sensible. The, I gave it a boost for the building of the lore. Uh, if it didn't have that, I probably would have felt closer to a four. Uh, but I gave it a full Chevron bump for that. Yep. Yep. Um, Sean Very says, sensible. four Hi, Sean. all around. Oh, boy. Yeah. Agree okay. with the above. It was written to write the Tolans out. Gets right down the middle. Uh, gets above right down the middle as Brent won't give half chevrons. And Correct. it's Never quite will. skippable. Except for that one time. Not certain I would mm. agree that it's skippable. Although, um, there you go. But I bet if uh, if new baddie is revealed in a way that is that that is not overly dependent on this episode... That a person could feel like they're still on pace with understanding the story. Um, yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I would say that this episode, because you pair this with the apparent destruction of the Tolan, mm-hmm. um, and then when you couple this with uh, the whole story that's going on, um, I don't think that this is a skippable episode. There's uh, there's enough meat on this one to be like no 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 don't don't skip it watch it you're gonna get some goodness out of it and then it'll pay off later exactly yep. Julie says hi Julie oh and she did by the way say that uh, she was concerned that 2020 has negatively impacted our oh, ratings yes. and that we were yes. blaming uh, uh, Stargate uh, functionally for the pandemic and we shouldn't do that so. <laughs> And and her observations were not incorrect. I freely, in a half joke, half serious way, admitted. Indeed, I am uh, a you know a person unable of true objectivity, and my subjective experience does in fact leach into my everyday moments. Um, but I was also kind of biting my tongue because I knew that I liked this one episode. Yeah, <laughs> like when she yep. was like, "You guys are being too hard," and I'm like, "Well, wait until we get to the end of this one." Yep. So uh, she thinks that we will both predict it at four, even though it's yep. better than that. It is better than that. Well, we I both agree. gave it better than four, Julie. So that's right. There you there go. There you go. Now, Justin. Hi, Justin. Apparently rolled the dice. The dice oh, did he? have spoken. 
Okay. Uh, what did they say? Kimberly says, did you use a D8? And he says, yes, because there's always a possibility of that eighth chevron. <laughs> According to the dice, I'm going to give this episode five chevrons. Oh, really? And according to the dice, yeah. you are going to give this episode eight chevrons. <laughs> the dice can were you, so close. <laughs> can you imagine if you had convinced me to go to eight? <laughs> yeah, that would have been hilarious. That would have been extremely funny. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now, did he give any explanation as to why the dice would have picked that, or did he just literally nope, just give just us some numbers? he just simply went with, wow. the, with the dice of That's spoken. That's funny. That is funny. Um, and so let me see here. I think that's all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that is the end of our predictions. Nice. That's a good way to end it. Super fun. <laughs> I know. That was a good one. Okay. Excellent. So, Brent. Yeah. We have just walked between two fires. Uh, yeah, we have. And we now face 2001, which is the name of the next episode. Oh. Which I say, what is 2001 all about? Um, uh, hmm. Okay. <clears throat> uh, okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 tablet... <clears throat> Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. A world which looks remarkably like their own, but yet is not. A world that reminds them of that little dimensional mirror thing from forever ago. And that indeed also seems to have uh, large monolithic structures with primates running around banging banging bones <laughs> on the ground while shrieking into the sky a sky filled with a giant baby the team runs around and discovers that kinsey is somehow president which is weird because in the 2010 episode he was president but in 2001 he's still a senator but yet in this one he's a president are they in an alternate reality clearly they are one where mayborn knows how to use a floppy one where the tolan are still around one where my favorite bad guy and yours is actually still out there trying to rule the universe one where that's right i'm talking about sokar um, let's see here. What else can we possibly fold into this one? Um, anyway, it's just a bunch of really interesting things that should have been in 2001 rather than where we are in 2001 because time dilation. I don't know. <laughs> time don't dilation. Know. Time dilation. I don't anyway. think that's how time dilation works. Hush, hush. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1. 2001. Ooh. All right. So uh, so is this going to be an episode where uh, they're basically just going to have a, uh, a, a retelling of what the 2001 should have been? So I will say that um, we should watch the promo. Okay. All right. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. I will hit play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Your initial report said the Volians were a simple agrarian society. That they are? The Volians introduce us to another race, friends of theirs. Who, while lacking a sense of humor, make up for it in advanced technology. They just wanted to make sure that we were trustworthy first. 
Has SG-1 finally found the perfect ally in the fight against the gold? Or is there something more sinister being concealed? Find out how they feel about the... I can tell you their feelings right now, sir. Dig a little deeper. Find out from the bowling. An ancient city once stood here. But ancients are extinct. Will they solve huh. the mystery before it's too late? I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's a good thing. It's all next time on huh. Stargate SG-1. By the way, what do our new friends call them? The Ashen, sir. The Ashen? The Ashen. Okay. Huh. And wasn't one of those guys? Didn't we see him in an episode before? One of the one of the boring-looking guys. Yes, indeed. Okay. Indeed. Um, so wait a minute. But we we've heard about the Ashen before. They were mispronouncing it Ashen at first. Yes. Oh right, from 2010. Yes. yes. Yep. <gasps> yeah, we saw them from 2010. It was him. That was him. Yes. Oh, this is where we meet him. Yes. In a backwards kind of way. Yes. <laughs> but wait a minute shouldn't they remember that they met the ashen already no i guess not because who okay all right i've got some i've got some thinking to do because i've got to re- i got to remind myself on the particulars of the plot of 2010 indeed, indeed. yeah yeah so interesting well, there okay. you go um Thank you, David, for that. Yeah. Um, uh, David, I, I have to say, uh, I was very impressed with this. Um, I, I was wondering if and when and how you would get the name Ashen into the promo. I'm like, you got it. And, and you were just, you were holding it off, holding it off. And I, and I love the attention. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that was really um, good. And, and Brent, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I loved to listen to the cogs in your brain turn <laughs> and creak and spin as, as all of a sudden these pieces started getting clicked together. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of my brain that just blew up. Yeah, anyway. Oh my, yeah, like like uh, like those weapons of mass destruction from this episode. Those very ones. There you go. Indeed. All right. Bring it back. Well, tell us what you think, dear mm-hmm. listeners, about this episode. Um, you know, what do you think? Where do we get it right and wrong? Uh, what do we miss? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. send us your episode, your audio clips for episode yes. one hundred. Um, coming up. All of those things. Join us on Patreon if you wish. Uh, etc. etc. You can email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at stargate walking, Facebook, walking through stargate page and group. Yep. And with that, I say I'm Zach and I'm Brent, and this has been walking through the stargate. See you next time. Bye, Carter. Dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs>